This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're going to talk about a new book that you should grab. It is called The Yoga of Parenting, and it is written by my friend, Sarah Ezrin. Let me tell you a little bit about Sarah. She is an author, a world-renowned yoga educator, a content creator, and a mama based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Her debut book, The Yoga of Parenting, is releasing very soon, the summer of 2023. And she loves guiding people along their wellness and parenthood journey. And she's just an overall really fantastic, fun person. So we dive into her book. Now, I promise it's not a book report, although I did go through her book with a pen. And every time there was something that grabbed my attention, I had a little mark next to it. Many stars, little highlights, little circles. There's a lot about that that I really resonated with. And I use that word so much in this conversation because it truly, like, as I read something, something in my body was kind of vibrating, like literally resonating with what she said. So I think you're getting get a lot out of that. We talk about energy management. We talk about boundaries. And I'm going to admit, not my strongest quality there. We talk about finding pause and stillness when not reacting to our children. Because at least for me, I don't find that pause and stillness. I want to react. And there's a lot that yoga can teach us about pausing before we react and how we can really learn from our children. And of course, we talk about our nervous system because let's face it, yoga has a lot to do with our nervous system. And from my experience, being a parent, my nervous system could use a little more rest and relax as opposed to fight and flight. So we cover a lot of material in this conversation. Also, just letting you know, during this conversation, you might say, wow, Deb, you sound really stuffy. Yes, yes. I have a bit of a cold, so I apologize if I sound like I'm talking through a pillow. But it was still a really fun conversation. Now, before we get to that conversation, just a reminder of some changes that I've made in the teacher training schedule for the upcoming trainings. Now, my brain, because I have school-age kids functions in the whole September through June school year. So that's when I think of the beginning of the year. So we were going to do our beginning of the year, our September, October in person, but I had a lot of people reach out saying they just couldn't make it to New York twice in two months. So if I could put online. And because we had so many people saying the same thing, I thought, yeah, sure, let's put online. So we made that transition from in-person to online because what's been beautiful about putting things online, we have people from all over the world participating in these teacher trainings. And that just fills my heart to know that this work is going to so many communities. So if you want to study with us at Perinatal Yoga Center and you and you know you couldn't get to New York, that's fine. We're going to do it online. So it's going to be September, October online. 
late October to the first week, the last weekend of November, beginning of December online, January, February online, then back in person in March, April of 2024. Wow. That sounds so crazy. And then as always, every May I do my postnatal teacher training online. So that's what's going on. It was a change in our schedule. So maybe that works for your schedule. And then just a reminder that every day of the week, we have an online prenatal class that you can get twice throughout the day to do it on your own schedule. And then of course, our in-person classes, our workshops, all that fun stuff. All right. So we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Sarah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Deb? I'm a little sick. And I always <laughs> very transparent. So if people are listening, they're like, what is wrong with her voice? I sound like I'm, you know, talking through, <laughs> I don't even know what, but besides that, I'm fine. And I'm so excited to connect with you again. It has been so fun to get to know you. I know we connected on what was that? It was a panel, um, yoga yes. gala. The yoga something. gives back. Yeah. Thank you. And then I got to be on your IG live and now I get to have you talk all about your book. Yay. So thanks for being my guest. Well, I'm honored to be here and in full transparency too, you hear my child screaming outside right now. He is not alone. <laughs> my <laughs> one-year-old is with his babushka but he uh, was not pleased to wake up and be shifted right to uh, to grandma as opposed to to mama. But uh, there, yeah. So you know, it's this is the yoga parenting, right? That's what we're here. And to, that is what we're, we're going to talk, talk about, about yoga birth babies. Exactly. All right. So let's start by, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and what inspired you to write the yoga parenting. Well, I've always been a writer. I mean, my whole life, like literally, you know, since I could put pen to paper, like I, I, we have a book that I created when I was four years old. <laughs> and um, so, you know, writing has always been an enormous part of my life, whether it is, you know, when I go through periods where I'm sharing it or whether it's totally personal and it's just through journaling. And so it was always a supplement to the, the yoga offering. And, you know, when I first started teaching yoga, I was like, I'm going to write a yoga book. And I was, I found all my old goals and it was so funny, like how every year it would change. It was like, my book's going to be about anatomy. And then it was like, no, it's going to be about philosophy. Like, you know, clearly before like the conversation of appropriation or my awareness of it. And every year it got different. And then, you know, I I just was waiting for like the big idea and it wasn't coming. So I just started writing for as many publications as I could. Um, and then of course it was like one of those in the shower moments, literally. And I was like, oh, this, this madness. And I, I actually was just newly pregnant with my second son. I don't even think I was pregnant yet when I got the idea. Um, but we were just in the madness of early toddlerhood and, and I, you know, was in the shower and it was like a much needed breath and break. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is the book. 
It is a good And what's book. really important about the book is that it's I it's a bunch of interviews. It's not like I didn't have the knowledge, right? Like I I was like, I needed to know. I'm like, whoa, you know, this is how I'm using my practice. But, you know, wh- how are other practitioners using their practice? Yeah. And I want to get into that. I actually really enjoyed how you structured it. So I promise, listener, this is not just going to be a book report. Um, there's <laughs> definitely some things that I... I was right as I was reading it. I had little highlighters and markers next to it that I wanted to dive deeper into. But I'd love to hear how do you think your yoga practice has influenced your parenting? How it's funny because I'm always asking everybody else that. I asked you that, right? I'm like, what's the most surprising way? I mean, honestly, it's got to be the power of breath. And I do want to preface by saying, like, I know breath is not accessible for everybody, you know, and, and I think we, like, when we're taught our 200 hours or we all start doing yoga, you're like, oh, the breath is everything. And, you know, I know it's not for everybody, but for me, it's 1000%. My breath changes the trajectory of the entire family system. And, you know, it's, it's mostly in relation to how often I'm holding my breath, right? Yes. And I'm just kind of like powering through stuff, but it, you know, whether it's actually getting my toddler to breathe with me, whether it's me knowing that I need to take a break, a breath in order to fill myself up, whether it's taking that breath to help calm things down, it can just have so many different effects. And that's 1000% the most impactful and powerful part. I had a situation like that where my breath was kind of by my lifeline. My It was one of those days that uh, it had been several days of just exhaustion. I had just finished teaching teacher training over the weekend, which then threw me straight into the week with the kids. And my daughter just needed attention that evening. It was a Tuesday evening. And I'm like, oh, I have to teach all day the next day. She just needed attention. And I just knew I had to rally. And the thing that I looked for to get myself through that was my breathing. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I am breathing and I am breathing to sustain myself right now and to quiet myself. Cause in my head, I wanted to say, get out, but I couldn't cause that'd been inappropriate. Mm. So I literally <laughs> had to calm myself down with my breath. And it was funny that she was just like, what is that? Like it was so foreign to her, like deep breathing, but that made me think of that when you're talking about the breath, because it really is real quick. How is it for it? You're a yoga teacher too. So like, it goes to show you like the shoemakers children have no shoes. So like, you know, and I, you're so transparent (laughs) with your audience. Like, you know, here I am writing this book, the yoga of parenting, and I'm pretty sure like I didn't take an inhale for the first 20 minutes, you know, of this conversation (laughs) or while they were outside, like scream crying, you know, my, my, baby is outside. So it's so funny how this is what we, we, we know it's the medicine, but it's, you know, it's always harder to, uh, take care of ourselves. Although there was one time I told my son when he was like maybe six, I'm like, you have to take a breath. He's like, I will not breathe. Like he was so (laughs) angry that I was trying to calm him down. Yes. (laughs) They have no shoes. All right. So I'm going to keep going, but that, that was a great answer. (laughs) All right. So I know I asked you for some talking points and you brought one up that I was like, wow. Okay. So you brought up the whole idea of energy management which was really interesting to hear, especially because I feel like I never have energy. So can you just jump into energy management, defining what energy is, where you get it from? Because again, I'm always feeling like, especially by the end of the day or the end of the week, I'm depleted. 
Yeah. So, you know, energy is such a funny word. And I remember when I first started doing yoga, like I had a boyfriend that was not in the yoga community or wellness community. And he was like, you all sound like you're like the energy of my energy. It's like, like, what is energy? What does this even mean? And, you know, it took, it took many years of practice. It took many years of depleting my energy. And PS, I'm still very much like, you know, on burnout. Um, is it, that I realized that my energy is my prana and that's, that's, we call that prana in the yogic tradition. Other traditions will call it chi, vital life force. Um, you know, I don't, there's other names in, in other, in other cultures, but with the idea of prana is that, you know, our body is this container for our vital life force energy. And it can get really jammed up inside of us when we're constricting and powering our way through things, or it can really be leaky, like kind of like, like a sieve almost, you know, and, and that's like where we're just like way too spread too thin. Too many people are relying on us and we're all over the place um, energetically. And you can really feel the difference, you know, between those two experiences. You know, people think back to like, when when was I overextended? When was I really constricted? So starting to like get in tune with your own energy management and how you're, you're expending it, just even in a simple like exchange of how much information you're sharing with somebody, you know, or how much you're, you're taking in, um, how we're positioning our bodies, all of those things relate to energy. And, and in yoga, we call it prana, but in parenting, right? Like energy is, it's a whole other ball game because you have, you have littles that are, are taking your energy, understandably, you know, you're some, if you're pregnant and a lot of your listeners are, you know, either pregnant or going to be pregnant or, you know, have carried children, we are literally being depleted of our vital life force in those, especially those first three months. That's what a lot of prenatal teachers say, but I'm curious your thoughts on that, which is that part of our exhaustion in the first three months is that it's our prana being depleted because they don't have a placenta. We don't have the placenta yet. Is that true? What do you... I... No, the placenta is right away. It's, I mean, it's teeny, okay. teeny, teeny. Um, <laughs> Why don't teach prenatal everybody? <laughs> yeah, no, because I remember, um, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly the timeline, but it all kind of forms together. Like I remember not going off in too much of a tangent, but when I had a miscarriage at... Um, like 12 weeks, there was like a teeny, teeny, teeny little placenta. So I could be totally wrong, but I thought it was, it was all kind of forming together. And then it, 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 because the way that the baby gets its nutrients, it's through the placenta, uh, adhering into the uterine wall, but I could be totally off. Because I'm we more should totally, focused. you and I, every time we have our chats, we're like, okay, listeners, we need you to email us your answers. Yeah. We, we should look this one up for sure. But, you know, the idea though, is like those first three months, maybe there's still, anyway, we're not like, I, I'm not an expert on this. So it's not about pregnancy, but it's, you know, if you're carrying someone in your body, if you're breastfeeding, you know, there's an, there's definitely an energy, uh, you know, uh, interaction that's happening. Yes. I don't want to say energy suck because it implies that our children are like parasites, but you know, <laughs> there is definitely parts of that. Uh, but then, you know, when they're out of our body, then there is an energy management of being a container for their own energy, whether it's bouncing off the walls or quite subdued or, you know, in those moments of tantruming and then how is it getting into your energy? So it's, it's a really big, big topic. But what I've learned through yoga is that you can at least be aware of what your own is. You can be protective if you need to be. You can also open yourself up if you need to be. 
You know, I appreciate that. As you were saying, they're not parasites. I'm like, feels like it sometimes, but I do appreciate what you're saying about they're really cute when, parasites. They're cute parasites, but it, you made me think immediately about, I have to regulate myself when my kids are unregulated because talk about like energy exchange. If they're ramping up and I ramp up with them, we're all just in this kind of mosh pit of, of thoughts and energy and emotion. So I like what you're saying about energy and that we also could be, we need to be independent from our kids of their energy so that we may be the grounding force when they're kind of chaotic. Is that making sense? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's beautifully said. I love the idea of the grounding force. It made me think of like a grounding wire, you know, um, something to connect into, but also like for, for me, sometimes what happens is my anxiety gets so high that I shut down and I like, I've got both sides to me, you know, I've got like, I've got the fight and the, and the flight, but, or the freeze even, you know, which is totally different part of the nervous system because freeze is like parasympathetic, but you know, where it's like, I almost like go in, I'm like curled in and it's like this hard rock. And then there's no energy. Like they, I'm like a, just like a rock, you know, and they need my energy. They need me to open up a little bit yeah. so that, you know, we can have a little bit of that symbiosis without me being so open that I'm taking in everybody's stuff all the time. And it's just yeah. this constant dance of like, okay, open a little more, close a little more, open a little more, close a little more. I think as a parent, that's really, it's a really hard dance to to go through. All right. I want to jump into some boundaries. So, okay. Oh, boundaries. My husband and I talk about this all the time. We do our best to set boundaries and I have a child that pushes back against boundaries a lot. So what are some of your thoughts on that within the yoga of parenting? Well, you know, that's the answer to energy management, right? Is like, how do you manage your energy? Well, it's it's all about boundaries. And and boundaries, I think, are different than limit setting. It, it, you know, for, for me, okay. the way I would define a boundary is like, where do I end and where does someone else begin? Okay. Um, this is dogs walking all around. You hear little <laughs> clicks everywhere. Uh, the screaming children are gone. Now it's just dogs. But so it's like, where do I end? Where does something else begin? And it's getting really clear on like, what's my stuff and what's their stuff. So, you know, and I I try hard in the book to stay away from parenting advice because I'm not a parenting expert and to really keep the focus on the parent. But, you know, and that's the kind of like the best tool for when you're in a moment like that with somebody that's pushing against a boundary is like, you have to stand firm on your own boundary. What is that? This is the edge of where, you know, you will go to. This is as far as you will let this go for you. And they can do whatever they want. They can push against it. They can rebel against it. They can get upset about it. But if you're holding firm to your truth that this is where what I need to do in this moment, then you know everything they do is is almost irrelevant. You know, they're and rather and not that sounds colder than it is. It's more like you know they're let's say they're allowed to have whatever feelings and responses that they are. But I can't imagine, I mean, your kids are older than mine, right? Like, and again, I'm not a parenting expert. I'm just, a, you know, a longtime yoga teacher, and, you know, someone who's dealt with boundaries her whole life is like, I can't imagine if you have someone constantly hitting against you, it's got to start to kind of push and, and break it down. Yeah. We talk about energy. That's why I thought it was so interesting yeah. that 
relationship between energy and boundaries, because when the boundaries, even if I set a boundary and it's constantly being pushed against, it takes my energy away. And my husband, I've had the talk that we can't just do the path of least resistance because that is going to push the boundary back even further. So I just, I like what you're saying of like, find your boundary of each of us have our own individual boundary. And then what the child does, we hold our space, we make sure they're safe, but they have their own reaction without us maybe getting overly, I don't want to say overly involved, but we stand, we hold our stillness and let them kind of do their own thing until maybe they calm down or subside. Well, it would make me want to like ask you the question of like, what are you doing for yourself on those mornings? And, and in order for you to be fully embodied and grounded and in yourself so that when they are pushing up against you, you're, you're already, you know, what, what a doctor, um, Dr. Becky Kennedy calls it like the sturdy leader. Right. And, you know, when we talk about Thera in the yoga community, that's the word we would use Thera, right? Which is like that container. So what are you doing for you? Yeah. To to be that steadiness. Not enough. Uh, Because because I have been known to be like, get out. Like when my son, he tends to be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, five minutes. I'll leave in five minutes. And I was like, because he walks to school. I'm like, get out because he's getting later and later and later. So no, am I still, am I steady? Nope. No, but this is a good <laughs> reminder that actually, I really, actually, I really do appreciate it. This is a good reminder of finding my steadiness and then letting him do what he has to do. And then also have the consequences if he's late for school and find my own steadiness and my boundary. Well, I think, so, I mean, the thing that's really, it's interesting what's transformed my my parenting the most recently is, is Al-Anon, <laughs> which is a program for children and family members and friends of alcoholics and partners of alcoholics. And it really teaches you to stay centered in what you do. Now, it doesn't mean you're always courteous, you're always kind. You know, you it doesn't mean you, you weren't helpful to other people, but you're not constantly jumping into their stuff to try to manage or, you know, and especially with our children, like, you know, that we want to, we want to block the fall all the time. We want to catch them every time, but it's almost like, can you step back just enough so that there is, maybe they do fall that one time and, you know, have to pick themselves back up again. Maybe there is a consequence with them being late without it being on you all the time, Right. right? Like having to be their time enforcer. No, that's that's a great idea. And tomorrow morning, we'll see if I'm able to be like, okay, you do you, I be me, you do you. All right. So as I was looking through the book, there is a quote from Dr. Laura Markham, who I actually interviewed. She was one of my favorite oh, interviews. I'll make sure I link to that. She's the best. I'll make sure I link to that in the show notes. So the quote was, "Parenting isn't about what." Oh, let me read it. Parenting is about what our child does, but about how we respond. In fact, most of what we call parenting doesn't take place between parent and child, but within the parent. I love that quote. So how do you think yoga teaches us to find pause and stillness before reacting, which is like literally what we were just talking about. Instead of being like, get out the door, I need to find the pause and stillness. So how do you think yoga can teach that to us? 
Well, I try really hard in the book to talk about yoga as the umbrella of all contemplative practices. So like you and I know when we say yoga, we're talking about the breath work, the meditation, mantra, you know, all these different uh, Not practices. Not just the asana, correct. But yeah, if we're talking about just asana, that's an embodiment practice. Like right there, I can't tell you how many injuries I have had over the years because my body is like, you know, my my soul is out of my body. My brain is over there and my soul is over there. And then my body's going forward and like, you know, and I'm tripping and I'm falling and I'm banging elbows. And like, there's all, I'm always constantly injuring myself because I'm literally disconnected from my body. So to have an embodiment practice of that kind, and it doesn't have to be yoga asana. It can be, you know, even simply walking or if you like, you know, dance or, you know, just something that's, that is physical, that is asking you to connect into how you are moving your body, I think is, you know, that is, it's a crucial piece because then you start to notice like, okay, this is, you know, these are the sensations. These, this is what's happening right now. I'm watching the butterflies build in the solar plexus. I'm feeling my face get a little warm well, I'm not breathing. Okay. Let's start to breathe. You know, how are these things, um, influencing one another? And, and you can really, again, like whatever they're doing, let it like that little tornado can happen around you, but you're staying steady and constantly connected into yourself. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk <laughs> about the nervous system. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. All right the nervous system. <laughs> all right. So first of all, I love talking about the nervous system. I talk about it in class all the time because for birth, we have to be in the parasympathetic nervous system for a good part of it. So this is my jam. So I'm so excited. All right. So <laughs> I feel like the more chaotic my life gets and parenting gets, the more my nervous system just feels stuck in that fight or flight or just kind of fried. Mm. And I think many parents feel this way. So how do we get our nervous systems to realize our child is not the enemy and get regulated. Because sometimes I definitely like when someone comes home, like my daughter often comes to the house yelling about something her brother did. And, and my first reaction is like, eh, like I get tight and the back of my neck gets tight. And I'm just like, ah. So how do we how do we adjust to that and, and not enemize our child or and regulate ourselves? Well, the, that also comes from Dr. Markram. So we got to give her credit, right? Because she's the one that said your child is not your enemy. That's That was from um, Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. So okay. that's, you know, which is, I just think the coolest way to say it. You know, it was so like, oh, you're, my kid is not my enemy. Whoa. Like, I, and now I need someone to write like your partner's not your enemy, right? Because <laughs> that's the other one that like you tend to, to jump towards. I think it goes back to what we said, you know, just before the break, which was you're checking in with your body's responses and you're seeing how you know, okay, I'm starting to hold my breath a little bit. Oh, like mine's very somatic, my anxiety. You know, it's it's so much about the butterflies in the tummy. Um, that's how I can feel it. I can just, you know, which which I've heard a theory. And again, please, readers, <laughs> write to Deb. If this is accurate or not. <laughs> Somebody said, and this made it just, even if it's not real or not, it, it just helps me a lot, is that the butterfly feeling is actually all the blood 
leaving your digestive system and going to your limbs so that you can be prepared for fight or flight. And like that, it, that's what it feels like to me. It's like, it's like, you know, it's all going. And again, it's that energy disbursement and everything's all over the place. So, you know, absolutely just anchoring into like, what are your reactions and what, what does your body do in these moments so that you know, like, it is so okay for us to like, take a beat. And we don't have to have things done immediately. We can always say, and, and, you know, like, that's like, I think these days there's been a lot of pushback against timeouts, you know, because the realization is that it wasn't really the kid that needed the separation. It's the parent. So, oh, I've given you know, myself timeouts. I literally <laughs> exactly. have. I'm like, mommy's taking a timeout and like, I will go to my room or sometimes if it's really bad, I'm like, I'm going to take a shower because I just feel like the water and the the seclusion, that is literally my timeout space. Yes. Or like go take a walk or, you know, go do, you don't even have to like do a long asana practice simply, you know, sit outside and breathe, you know, and so there's there's different ways that you can do that for yourself and you can watch your your nervous system start to regulate. Yeah, so I think it's just a matter of tuning in to whatever responses your body has, getting familiar with those. This is also where it can help to have a dedicated asana practice and and dedicated does not mean 2 hours. It doesn't even mean an hour. It just means very simply like even 15 minutes of moving your body to learn Oh, you know, when I have my hands and my shins on the floor, you know, which is a favorite of your prenatal trainings, the hands and knees position, I feel grounded. I feel secure. I feel safe. When I'm standing on one leg, I start to panic. I notice, you know, my eyes get a little bulgy. There's sweat beating at my forehead. Get to know your body's responses in this, you know, safer space, this more, you know, quiet individual place so that when you're out in the world, you're like, oh, okay, you can start to kind of tune in a little bit more quickly. Yeah. As you're talking, can I say one thing though, real quick? Sure. Yes. Because I, I never want to like, I I always want to be super transparent too, which is that like, that doesn't mean it's all, you're always going to catch yourself and you're never going to react, right? Like the Dalai Lama has said things like where, you know, he, there's the storm still comes, but he can see it from further away. So it's like, you know, I don't, it's not like we magically can get our nervous systems. You don't want your nervous system to always be in a relaxed state. We need, you know, energy and uh, adrenaline to get up. We need the sympathetic nervous system to, take action. It's just more a matter of tuning in to know when, okay, time to hit the brakes. Okay. Time to hit the gas. It's a finding balance because if many of us are living in that fight or flight sympathetic, it's going to fry out our adrenals. It's just going to fry us out. So it's about finding that balance. All right. So there's something else that also really resonated with me. You talked about challenge, take your turning challenges into gifts. And that's something Mm -hmm. in prenatal yoga, I use that all the time because we talk about strong sensations and when we're in a pose that we could use that to mentally and physically learn to relax. Cause I'm always focused about no matter what birth is like, can we turn the, whatever challenge in front of us into an opportunity to learn? So how can we learn the challenges of parenthood? Mm, I mean, I, it's not about like toxic positivity, right? Like, let's be super clear that like, you know, there, I know there's a lot of like, everything happens for a reason and things happen to you and, or rather for you and not to you. And I definitely, I want to make sure like that that's not at all what we're saying. 
it's more that whenever you look back on your life, whether you're a parent or not, and you look back over, over the course of your life, you will likely notice that many of the more challenging events were opportunities for growth. And like, again, I'm not talking like big T trauma and, I, and I'm not dismissing all, all of those things, but usually, you know, the, there is, there is something you can create on the other side of it. If you choose to, if you choose to, and I think parenting offers us that every single second of every day, because what you're watching is not only your own transformation and the challenges of like the, the you know, the tapas is, which is the word for it, right. Which, you know, what you go through, through the birthing process, you know, which is like, literal fire at certain points, you know, can be so intense. If there's like, you know, C-section, you're being, you know, opened up in all the different layers. Like there, there is an intensity to that. And then a recovery on the other side, there's also the letting go of who you once were and the grieving period as you enter this new life, that's always uncomfortable on the other side. And, it, but even like for your children, watching them go through something that was really hard and challenging, you see on the other side how things maybe come out a little bit. And it's not even that they come out, you know, rosier or cleaner. It's just there's opportunities for growth and all of those things. So how do we identify the gifts on the other side of those without also dismissing the challenges that we had to go through? Oh, I appreciate that. All right. So in your book, you share 10 yoga-based practices. This is kind of pushing back at you, which one resonates the most with you? You must have a favorite. Apparently there's 34 practices in the book, even though we, we distilled it down to 10 <laughs> chapters, which is like, I, I, but I'm like, is it really 34? So there, there's a couple other ones in there, but yes, it's the, it's the 10 that is in the title. And it's like our 10 main concepts. I would have to say boundaries, you know, like that for me is, and it's, it's not even boundaries. Like what we think of, like when we say, oh, that person has no boundaries. It is specifically like, and it, it's boundaries and energy management. I guess it's everything we just talked about because it's like, what am I saying yes to? What am I saying no to? What am I letting in? What am I blocking out? And just that constant dance. Um, because I'm, you know, a little bit of a pusher and, you know, it, and then at other times I'm also just like open, you know, so it's really just, it's a constant toggle and a constant dance for me. I appreciate that. When I think about what my yoga practice has done for me through my life, whenever I get off the mat, I always just, I'm thankful for my yoga practice because the way I describe it to my students, it is like I call it my mental vacation because it's the one place that those 10 square feet, how big is the yoga mat? <laughs> that it's just for me in my space. It's the time that I'm focused into my body. I'm focused on my breath. I'm really present in the moment. And I'd say for the most part, I'm not outside in my to-do list. So mm-hmm. I can, I'm gathering you probably have a similar experience to that. So what is your yoga practice? How does your yoga practice now support you throughout parenting? And how, what does your practice look like nowadays? 
Well, it's funny as you were saying that because like, I think we also get to a point in our practice when we've been practicing for a very long time where you can look like you're doing it on the outside. It can look very still and graceful and steady, but inside you, you know, and you're breathing deeply, but inside your brain is a thousand other places, you know, and that definitely did start happening to me with my asana practice. So, you know, I would say like my yoga practice has in the mornings I'm doing meditation every day. And and I, it took me a long time to get to meditation. It took me, you know, I'm 41 and this is like, honestly, the first year I've done it committedly. I would do it here or there. I do it at the end of like Shavasana. But now this is like, this is where I really find that mental vacation that you were talking about. Um, Very early in the morning before any of my children are up, although my youngest is always on to me. That, I mean, I would say, you know, I, I, I argue that parenting is its own yoga practice, but when it comes to the physical postures, like where I used to do this really austere practice, you know, and again, it would look, you know, it looked very like linear and I don't even like saying the word advanced, but it was like, you know, it was the Ashtanga yoga tradition. It was like very like rigid and must do it, must get deeper, must do that. Even though my brain was, was everywhere, but there for those two hours. Now my practice is like much more just like rolling around on the floor. (laughs) Everything is pelvic floor related. I just started teaching publicly again yesterday. And I was like, I am sorry in advance, but you, you know, you all have pelvic floors. You all need this, but it's just much more like nourishing and like, how do I need to move? And, and because of that, because I'm really like, what does my body need? It allows me to tune in, in a much deeper way. What's interesting as you were saying that, because I know your background's a stronger, my guess is you were, and correct me if I'm wrong, practicing on your own. I am gonna, okay. Listeners out there, don't judge me too harshly. I'm horrible about just getting on my mat without being guided because I found when I do in the past, when I've done that, I just kind of roll around and I do what feels really good. And it's almost more of a cross between some yoga asana and modern dance because I was a dancer for so long. And that is, I felt like my cat, I was like rolling on my back and moving my limbs and just stretching. So my practice, I do a lot of online classes, um, with, through Iyengar. And I really, mm. I find that's what helps me really hone in is because I'm often teaching and giving so much as a parent and a teacher. I love being led by someone I trust. So I study with uh, this one Iyengar teacher, Laura, Lara Warren, and I just, she's a whole library. So I just pick what I want to do and I just let her teach me. And that is where I could really shut everything off. I know so many yoga teachers are like, oh, you should really just do yourself. I'm like, no, please, someone tell me what to do. I'm on decision overload so much. I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Absolutely. And I also think like, let's all have permission to do, figure out what works for us. You know, like I, there's only one teacher that I really resonate with in the world. You know, and I've taken a lot of amazing teachers. My, my other teacher, Madi Azradi passed away, but you know, Annie Carpenter is my teacher and I'll take other classes from other people and they'll be fun. And I'll be like, Oh, you know, this is cool. We're doing something different. But at the end of the day, she's the only person that I really want leading me because in the middle of class, I'm always like, what? It's not sits bones. You know, like I start getting like judgy or, and I don't mean to, it just, it becomes like work. I'm like breaking down their sequence in my brain. So (laughs) 
not an escape for me. You know, it, yeah. it becomes, um, like I, I just, I'm like auditing suddenly, you know, That's so I, I do need someone I trust. Yeah. Like I have to, yes. I don't just go to anyone and I apologize for sounding like a yoga snob that way, but I'm really mm-hmm. particular about who I study with because I want to trust them. And then I just, I just go with it. And so that's why I found a couple of teachers that are, are my thing. All right. Yeah. Well, when... you'll have to share me because I, I would love, you know, some, yeah. some dedicated Iyengar. It's such, oh such my an gosh. important practice. Yeah. Carrie Awerko was my teacher for years and years and years um, in the studio. And I know she has some stuff online. I haven't had a chance to do it, but she's also playful and fantastic. So I'll make sure you get that. All right. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to leave new and expected parents with? We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. So what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to leave us with? It's all temporary. And I mean that in the best of ways and in the hardest of ways and in the most beautiful of ways right? Like those sleepless nights, temporary. That beautiful laughter when they're just learning how to laugh, temporary. That moment where you're in the living room together and dancing and having a party, temporary. And it really just gives us it, it, it's a, just a reminder of the privilege of each of these moments. Again, not dismissing those challenging times. If anything, you know, that's just like, it, it's just the reminder that, okay, we're going to get through this because everything's going to change on the other side of it um, when things are challenging. But it also does mean that when things are beautiful and amazing, those will also change too. So it's this opportunity for us to either, you know, kind of grin and bear and get through knowing it's going to change, you know, like again, like, you know, having mastitis four times and, you know, a screamer who's <laughs> up at four, you know, even when they're like two years old, th- three, two, one. Uh, and, um, but then on the other side of that, also then knowing it's such a beautiful moment, I want to anchor into this. I choose to be present. That's beautiful. So my yoga teacher, Cindy Lee, always talked about the impermanence. And that's really, that really resonates with me and struck with me. That is beautiful. Where can people find your work and your book? Well, the book, The Yoga of Parenting, we have a special discount code for your listeners. So if everybody orders it, and I don't know when we'll air this, but you can pre-order it or, you know, you can order it once it comes out. It comes out June 6, 2023. But if they go to Shambhala's website directly, so shambhalapublications.com, and they put in the code Y, like yoga, P, like parenting, YP30, they'll get 30% off. And that's oh, special that's... for your listeners. Yeah. Yay. Oh, that's such a gift. And listeners, do it. Get it. I have the book. Sarah is nice enough to get me a copy, advanced copy. I felt so special getting that. And <laughs> I perused through it. It's really, it's really special. And I just want to thank you for, first of all, writing such a wonderful book and then sharing this with my community and coming onto the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so honored, Deb. I mean, like I had known of you. And then like when we, it just all felt so serendipitous and 
And we just had all these interconnected friendships and, you know, all these, like, even as you're saying, Cindy and Carrie, you know, it's like, and, and all the New York to LA when I was from there. And, you know, anyway, it's just, it's really wonderful to now be able to call you my friend. And then we have our chats and I'm like, oh, she's like, that's my people. Like, you know, we're, <laughs> and I can't wait to come to New York and get to study with you in person. Um, oh, I, I would non, love that. Non-pregnant would... people ever come to the studio, but I definitely yes. would love to come and see you. Well, you'll be my special guest. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.